Met a girl downtown at the bar last night and we got talking. Said she likes cheap drinks and tattoos and Morgan Wallen. She said, what about you? I said, I like late night bonfires, Yellowstone, Whiskey Myers, and lift the trucks with mud on the Welcome back, guys. Back. It has been a minute like a since we did a podcast. It's actually been fucking three months. Yeah. Things have gone a little wild. And we had a crazy busy summer. Went away out west with a gentleman on my left here, mm-hmm. John Porter from Barter Pay, Barter It, all the good stuff. Yeah. Welcome to the podcast, buddy. Welcome to my home. Thank you. Yeah, it's so great to be here, and uh, thanks for the invite, and yeah, looking forward to the little chat. Yeah, man. Yeah, we. so John and I met last year at Kid Carson's event in the city uh, in mm-hmm. Toronto, and then we just got back from the MYM Summit out in Kananaskis, Alberta, which was like probably one of the coolest weekends of my life. Oh, man. Just the vibe, the whole vibe of everything going on and just the people there, the, you know, the, the interactions, the speakers, like it was just next level. Right. So yeah. Huge. Like shout out to Sarah Swain and Rob for, for doing that event for everybody. Like I can't fucking wait till next year. Oh, I know. It's going to be so cool. Yeah. May, May 31st to June 1st, I think, or June 2nd. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. In Calgary, in Calgary. Be there. Yeah. Yeah, Be there. Fucking right. Be there. So yeah, um, before jumping into like barter pay, bar- barter it, I have some messages from people online uh, or some questions for you. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, like tell us about yourself. You and Deb, Deb's upstairs having wine with Jen already. Yeah. So yeah, just tell us about you, your background. I'll kind of fast forward like through high school. I mean, I had a typical life growing up, uh, you know, didn't come from much, um, but grew up in Hamilton, uh, Stony Creek Mountain. Went to high school in, in uh, Stony Creek, uh, just down uh, off the QEW there. Was an athlete. Uh, all through high school, just really focused, um, always tried to get good grades and whatnot. Uh, my dad was a surveyor, um, a land surveyor, like a construction land surveyor growing up. So we always uh, did surveying um, throughout our summertime jobs from about age 12 to, you know, 17. I was heading to engineering at Waterloo uh, University to be a civil engineer, figured that would, you know, play nicely into the whole surveying uh, type of work, uh, building, you know, roads and bridges. I was really interested in that. And uh, to save up money for school, I actually took a job which I thought was watching security cameras at nighttime. Like, oh, I'll, I'll do this summertime, you know, surveying job during the day. I'll watch some security cameras at night, make some extra money sort of thing for school. It was in the paper. So I called the, the number and they're like, oh yeah, we got this interview, you know, available, whatever it was, Tuesday morning at 9 a.m. It's the last spot, you know, come down and we'll, we'll, you can have an interview. So I walk in and she says, yep, you're here on time. That's great. Go into this other room. And I walk in and there's like 30 people sitting in these like theater style chairs, and I start thinking like, I thought this was like the only, sp- I was like my interview, right? Yeah. So, so I walk into this room and um, there's like a prize wheel on the wall. There's, uh, you know, like all these motivational posters all around the room. And I'm like, like I'd never grown up in this environment. The environment I grew up in was like, you know, entrepreneurship is bad. Business is bad. Sales is bad. Making money is like whatever, um, you know, just go get a job and just that's it. In walks this guy in like, I still remember he had like, you know, black, shiny cowboy boots, perfect jeans, this awesome, you know, crisp white shirt, all tucked in with a big belt buckle and a leather like jacket, perfectly white teeth, (laughs) awesome hair, perfect tan, picture that guy and uh, Rolex watch. And he's like, you know, he puts his hand up. He's like, anybody here who doesn't like to do door to door sales can just get up and leave right now. And like people start looking around and like 10 people just got up and walked out. And I figured, well, it's going into the winter. I'm going to be laid off. I might as well just see what this is all about. I um, learned that it was actually selling alarm systems door to door. Like, right. So I'm like, okay, well, I'll just learn all about this. Anyways, long story short, I didn't know that I would like sales or marketing, especially door to door sales. So I, I started to do that. I started knocking on doors and messed up the first number of presentations. The 30 minute presentation, 
like the first four or five times I did it, it once I got to somebody's dining room table, I did it in like four minutes, five, six minutes. The, the, by the fifth one, I was like, you know, 12 minutes of the 30 minutes. But by about the 10th or 12th time, I'm, I'm delivering the presentation pretty well anyway. And within, within about 45 days, I was like top five sales reps out of like 300 reps putting yeah. in, you know, alarm systems all over the Hamilton mountain. Anyway, that made me realize that maybe I don't want to be an engineer. Maybe I want to be into sales and marketing. So uh, my manager at that company had left and he went to work for a barter exchange in Toronto. Again, this is in 1995, 96. That business hosted a, a convention for all these barter companies from the U.S., and I was there at that final awards banquet dinner. I saw across the table, a couple of guys cutting a deal for a kind of like a master license for a, a business that was from the US that was coming into Canada. And I put my hand up and said, hey, like I'll take on one of the first franchises of that business. And so that's what happened. I ended up not going to uh, university, took a left-hand turn and got into the barter business in 1996 at the age of 20. Right on. Yeah. That's crazy. You were doing land surveying at 12? That's fucking awesome. So yeah. Like- like blue collar, like, like that's a cool thing that your dad would get you doing at a young age. Yeah, it was amazing. I uh, loved it. I mean, we would, we would be operating the, um, the transit, you know, the level, the full transit, the total station. He would teach us how to, how to run that, how to, you know, go and hammer in all the stakes, make sure things were lined up. By the time I was like 15, 16, I was doing full grade calculations and all these different uh, tasks that sort of the evening tasks. In 1991, when the, uh, when the economy just took a bit of a nosedive, uh, my dad ended up start getting laid off from a, from a larger construction company. And he started his own company called Survey Overload Services, SOS. And he kind of subbed out his surveying um, skills to these construction companies like Dufferin Construction, gotcha. Bot, all these, they build all the roads and bridges, right? We worked for him from, from like age 12 to 18. When I was 18, I actually formed my own little company and started subbing out my own surveying services to bot construction. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. That's wicked. So and then you got into the bartering by accident? Just. Yeah. I always say like, I really didn't, uh, I didn't choose the bartering business. It kind of chose me uh, just through that series of events that happened, right? Where I wasn't really in control and I just kind of like listened to what was uh, coming my way and was open to new ideas and just kind of stumbled across it. So I, I really feel like the barter business chose me. Um, we can talk about that in a bit. In a bit yeah. After. So like your family, like, like and well, I obviously know you got the boys, but yeah, how, how are they doing? All the boys. Uh, yeah, we've got four sons. Aiden will be 24 in like two weeks. Jackson, he's, uh, he's 22. Tommy, he is going to be 20 in January. And our little guy, Micah, he's just in grade 11. So it's like he's 16. So it's like, man, the last 24 years is pretty much a blur. Uh, you know, taking them all through hockey. Just picture four boys, right? I mean, like we're in your basement. You're going through a bit of a reno. We felt like we were always going through a reno in our basement because the drywall just yeah. always was busted. You know, mini sticks everywhere all the time. Like it was just like, why even buy furniture? Like just like let them get older, right? And then so, but those are the good old days that you don't want to rush, right? So it was really... um it was really important to me, especially even while we were building the barter economy that we were building to always be, you know, at, at home, present at their hockey games, always, always present as much yeah. as we could be. Yeah. And so yeah. how, how many of them played hockey? Uh, three. So yeah, one, two, and four, uh, Aiden Jackson and, uh, and Micah, a little guy. That's yeah. crazy. Just yeah. doing it today with two yeah. and just knowing what's coming for the rest of the year, coaching, helping coach both. It's going to be just mental. I love it though. Like, that's awesome. Like you said, you're an athlete, your kids played hockey. Yeah. I played hockey. Like, I think it's like one of the most important things, whether it's hockey or whatever sport you got to play, you got to be into something. Yeah. Oh, it really does teach you, you know, teamwork and how to get through adversity or if you got to 
kind of a nutty coach, like how to deal with that, like all, all sorts of things, right? Parents, I mean, just dynamics, friendships, uh, working hard, not giving up, like all of that that comes along with uh, with sports, right? So, no, it's yeah. so good. I love it. Yeah, I love yeah. it. Yeah. So, as the the founder and owners of Barter Pay, yeah. Um, before I met you at Kids Event, I honestly I don't think I'd ever had a bartering conversation in my life. Mm-hmm. What's what is bar? Sim- simple as it gets for the like, let's do barter for dummies. What is it? Yeah. So. What Barter Pay is, is uh, we're a business that helps businesses across Canada get the things that they need without having to spend any money, right? Instead, they can just offer up their own goods and services. Um, we all know that bartering in and of itself, like one-on-one bartering, is really the oldest form of commerce, right? But for two parties to enter into a fair trade, each side has to want what the other person has at the same time and value, right? So that's actually called the uh, coincidence of wants. It's pretty much why money was invented because bartering became so you know annoying to have to try and find line up those direct trades, right? Yeah. And so um, that's kind of one problem that we saw with the whole idea of bartering for businesses. The other thing that was a reality in the marketplace was like the uh, the fact that every single business in Canada, because that's where we focus, um, has what we call spare capacity from time to time. And what that means is, for a business that's a service based business, they have unsold time and space that expires to zero. If they're in a product based business, they have oftentimes throughout the year, extra inventory that might be sitting idle. So we thought, well, if we can help businesses sort of monetize that, that spare capacity into, into the barter system and kind of marry those two things together, this might work. Um, we all know that cash is still king. Uh, you can't run a business on a bartering economy, bartering system. Uh, you know, cash is really the oxygen of any business, but uh, bartering can definitely enhance their business. So anyway, we basically built a platform that now allows a business to open an account with barter pay they can then offer up their goods or services to the system. In exchange, they earn barter credits. And uh, one barter credit equals $1 for valuation purposes. And the great thing about it is they can take this sort of newly earned revenue stream of barter credits uh, that never expire, and they can go and barter and trade with anybody in the entire ecosystem. So no longer are they having to deal with this sort of conundrum of this one-to-one bartering. It's like this one-to-many sort of sharing economy where everybody is monetizing their spare capacity in real time and then getting back things that they need to offset future cash expenses, which really uh, boosts their bottom line, uh, drives new traffic, yep. um, helps them expand their business, uh, all sorts of things, right? So yeah. you don't have to pull that cash out, the precious cash out of the bank, yeah. No, that's good. So it's like if a plumber's got a, an off week, someone can hire him through barter pay, mm-hmm. right? And someone will pay him barter credits, and then he can then use those barter credits to maybe get new windows into his house from someone else who's in the ecosystem for yeah. barter pay. Yep. Or advertising or whatever, or whatever it is. Yeah. So the, we have, um, the great thing about barter pay is we team every, uh, we sorry, we pair every business up with a, their own barter coach, a real life person. So we have uh, about 20 barter coaches across the country. Um, and each of those coaches manages a portfolio of about 200 businesses. That's kind of our ratio. And so these businesses, we know they're busy, right? And their job is to really focus on their their core business, which is sell as much as possible, you know, services, goods, products, whatever it is. Yeah. Bring in as much cash as possible. The, the barter coach's job is to come alongside that business owner and help them barter and monetize that spare capacity. So it's all about building a relationship so they know when that spare capacity is coming up or what's available. The barter coach then helps that business um, advertise that out to the network so that it can bring in this new revenue stream. And then, uh, you know, on the back half of that is that the barter coach uh, works with the business on what we call their kind of their wish list, what they're looking for in exchange. And then the barter coach goes out and kind of shops the network, finds what they might be looking for, pairs them up with different vendors so that they can use their barter credits instead of dipping into that precious cash, right? So that's, uh, yeah, that's kind of how the system works. What if there's, uh, 
what if there isn't, so say I, I need like advertising for non-negotiable mm-hmm. and there's not, there isn't someone around here that will do it. Mm-hmm. How do we get someone to do it and join barter pay? Yeah. Uh, which is going to probably lead into the origin story of barter pay itself and how, how in the world it even started. But the, um, right now we work with our customers. Like we, we advertise through some digital ads. We obviously do cold calling. We obviously go to business events and networking events. And we also get a lot of referrals, right? So like a lot of our clients, especially our top 20% of our clients, you know, they'll, whenever they're looking for something, especially if they're switching vendors to a new vendor, they go and get two or three quotes on what they're looking for. Then they hand those quotes over to their barter coach and their barter coach contacts those businesses and then, you know, pitches them on coming into the barter economy to land that business. Right. And so we, we grow that way as well, but uh, it's really just through hustling and, you know, growing the network from city to city to city and bringing on businesses. And obviously we're kind of in that network um, it's called the network effect, right? Like the bigger we get, the more attractive it is for more businesses to join. So we're, we're kind of getting to that critical mass now in, in, a, in about 15 different cities where it's almost growing because the businesses themselves in the network want to see it grow. Yeah. Right. Do you find people more receptive today in 2023 in jumping into the barter community than they were, let's say, before the world went to shit in 2020? Yeah. Or before... Or back in twenty, or sorry, nineteen ninety six, when we were way too early to the market with our idea, okay. right? Because the mindset of business owners wasn't thinking about alternate forms of payment even pre twenty twenty. Yeah, that's like the next level. But from nineteen ninety six to twenty twenty, it was like well, for the first ten years to two, the mid two thousands, they're thinking like cash, check, Visa, Mastercard. That's pretty much it, right? Um, and so, yeah, they weren't. Th- we were we were just too early to the marketplace with our idea. Uh, again, the mindset of the business owner wasn't there. The technology wasn't there. Um, and so we had to kind of wait out that first 10 or 15 years of the marketplace and the mindset of business owners to catch up to what we were trying to build. So that made it very difficult. Like, uh, people always say like, you know, how did this thing start? Like, how do you get businesses on board? And actually, um, I remember back in, in 96, I, <laughs> one of the first things we needed as a new business in Canada was like some office furniture. And so I literally flipped open the yellow pages and started, went to office furniture and I'm like, okay, I'll start cold calling from a, and I made my way down the list. And finally I got to um, Terrence Webster Design in Ancaster, Ontario, just outside of Hamilton. And I'm like, Terry Webster came to the phone, the owner. And so I start talking to him about what I'm trying to build and what I'm looking for. And I, I need a couple of workstations. He goes, listen, I grew up on a farm. I love to horse trade. I just did a deal with McMaster University. I, uh, you know, I put in like you know, 25 new workstations. I took out all the gently used ones. They're in my back of my warehouse. Come down to my office and I'll see what, what we can do. So I go down there, I start talking to him about this idea of bartering, just like I just explained here and kind of the, you know, the, the value proposition and how it can work and turning that idle inventory into something that he might want. And he's like, yeah, you know what? Each, each station's about a thousand bucks. I'll, I'll do you know, three or four stations for it. I was like, okay, great. So I take out my application, my pen, because it was all you know, done handwritten, right? I start filling out his paperwork and I knew the question was coming. I just didn't know necessarily how I was going to answer it. But uh, about halfway through that paperwork, he says, John, John, wait, wait, wait before I sign up and give you four workstations at a thousand bucks each, like that's 4,000 of your barter credits. Um, where can I spend those barter credits? Like if I, where can I use them? And I was like, Terry, like you might not like this answer, but like nowhere, like you're the first guy to join the network. There's nowhere you can spend these credits. It's literally like, just trust me, right? Like give me a list of what you're looking for and I'll hustle. And kind of like I called you and got in front of you and here we are doing a deal. Like I'll do the same thing for you as, as you need things. I'll go and hustle and get those things. Right. Yeah. He's like, I can't believe I'm doing this, but yeah, you know what? I'm going to give it, give it a shot. And that was the first, the first barter credit transaction. Now, since then you like, 
again, we get those wish lists. We go after, we, we added two or three, we lose a few, we add more, lose some. Like, you know, again, that was that first 10 or 12, 15 years of like painstakingly piecing together an entirely new economy that operates in a different realm with a whole different form of payment, meaning these barter credits, not money. It's very difficult to build. Yeah. So you, uh, you mentioned, did you start this in 96? Yeah, 1996. Yeah. So when you're building this company from the ground up, did you have like a side, like a like another full time job to get you like to feed the kids and put food on the table, or was it like we're fucking doing this full blown like grinding from the start, and you didn't have like a sort of like a uh, like a backup plan or a yeah. side job? Yeah, we really had no backup plan. I, Debbie and I got married at a young age. Uh, you know, we met when we were nine and ten years old. Uh, got married, sorry, uh, started dating at age like 15, you know, off and on through our teenage years, got married at 20 and 21, which was right at the time when I went to work for that alarm company. So I managed to save up like, I don't know, $8,000 for a, I assumed a mortgage actually at the age of 20, I assumed a mortgage for a little condo in Beamsville, Ontario, so that we had a place to live as a married couple. And so got married in the summer of 96, came back to that. Um, I actually quit my job before we got married, like two weeks before, went, got married on our honeymoon, came back to nothing except this bartering business, right? Having said that, we also had an opportunity for, I don't know if you remember these, the people used to come door to door and do those gas rebates where you could kind of lock in for a natural gas pricing for like three to five years on a no. contract. So we did some natural gas sort of door sales, door to door together, just to kind of like in the, in the nighttime, just to kind of like, you know, you know, pay some bills or whatever. But I, we quit that within within a few weeks and just dove 100% into, into barter. I remember, you know, working from my dining room table, little kitchenette table in this little condo in Beamsville. And I would, my phone would ring like after month two or three of not paying our mortgage and the bank's like, you know, you're behind, like what's going on? Like, don't worry. I'm just starting this new business. I'm like, don't worry. Don't worry. Like it's all, we're all good. Like we're going to make it like, and they're like, so here they are calling my house. I'm at home saying that I'm working. They don't know if I'm playing video games, watching TV all day just doing whatever, but you know, I was hustling. I, I remember driving home one night, um, you know, in the first year, six months year. And I said to Debbie, like, we have a deep freezer in our garage that's empty. We can't really afford groceries. I said, can you just throw that in the classified? Like, let's sell our deep freezer. Cause we need to, you know, buy some cheese and eggs and milk. And again, we came, both of us came from no means, right? So we didn't have backup plans or parents that could help us. And, you know, we, we had nothing, right? So that first that first year was really, really hard, but uh, we just kept kept selling, kept building. And Debbie was going to school full-time, I forgot. It's coming back to me now. She was going to be a teacher. So she was actually in school full-time the entire first year that I was hustling, building the business. Yeah. Crazy. Yeah. And then when did you have your first son? Uh, we had our first son, Aiden, in uh, 1999. So like three years later. But by that point, we had brought on like 300 businesses in the Niagara region where we were living onto the barter system. And we were, you know, we were, we were doing pretty well. Like, so we were able to uh, really get ahead and I, we felt comfortable to, you know, start a family. And I had a couple of employees that were great employees by that point. And um, yeah, just worked our way through it. That's awesome. Yeah. For a company to join, does it cost them anything? Yeah. For barter, barter pay. So uh, yeah. yeah, barter pay. Yeah. Yeah. So barter pay, we make money three different ways. Uh, there's a one-time activation fee. It's like 199 bucks. Um, sometimes we waive it, but it's, it's, it's about 199 bucks, not nothing major there. But, um, the second way we make money is like a monthly fee. It's like 25 bucks a month, but we waive that for the first six months just to make sure that everybody's getting value, that it makes sense for them. Like we want to make sure there's a fit, right. And they're getting value for it. The way we actually make money in barter pay is, you know, short-term and long-term is purely on a performance commission. So it's, we only get paid if it's working. So how that works is, uh, when a business comes on and they, and that we help them, you know, barter some of their spare capacity, they earn barter credits 
no commission for us to bring them that brand new incremental revenue. They only pay the 12.5% on the back end when they're able to take that newly earned revenue stream of barter credits and get something they want from the system. So we kind of have to do both sides of our job, bring them brand new sales and help them convert that value into something else that they would have paid money for. And once they've saved a lot of money, we get that little 12.5% commission on the back end. Yeah. Yeah. At least they're they're moving, like you said, moving product or working when they wouldn't have and getting new leads and then new referrals. Yeah. So it's win, win, win. Yeah. Well, we had a, we had a, like, a, I'll give you an example. We had a restaurant in Hamilton, like, you know, 2015 in, in about that, uh, that time frame, 2015. So yeah, it was called Neek. They, they were looking for a new sign when I met the owner. Right. And he was literally about to cut a check for like five grand out of his money for this sign. I said, don't do that. Like we have a couple of sign companies in our barter pay system that would barter for the sign. So he quickly joined barter pay within two weeks. We sold like five grand worth of gift cards, you know, out to our network. And he banked those 5,000 barter credits and then just flipped them with the sign company, right? So instead of having to carve a check for five Gs out of his cash, he literally just bartered five grand worth of gift cards and got back the sign, which saves him a ton of cash because it's only ever going to cost him his food cost, right? Plus those, those cards are getting distributed to new customers. Those customers are coming in and there's going to be some non-redemption. There's going to be overspend in cash. Uh, he's introducing again, uh, his restaurant to a whole new market of, of people that uh, are going to be repeat customers. Like, um, yeah, it, only good things happen when you can barter and, and, and conserve that cash. That's so yeah. cool. Yeah. That's yeah. awesome. So that's barter pay. That's the B2B aspect of what we do. And, uh, you mentioned in 2020, yeah, things started to ramp up in 2020 at the same time, these, you know, nonsensical lockdowns were really hurting our business, right? Cause every time there was a lockdown in Ontario, which was the most lockdown region in the Western hemisphere, yeah. um, you know, businesses were nervous, right? Small businesses, the backbone of the economy. They didn't, they didn't want to spend money. They didn't want to spend barter. They didn't want to do it. They were kind of frozen, well, literally. And they were locked in their fucking houses. Exactly. So that our revenue plummeted like 70, 80% every time there was a lockdown. By the third one, it was really, you know, we, we weren't sure if we were going to make it actually. Uh, but at the same time, the search term for barter was gaining a lot of popularity all through that whole 2020, 2021, because of all the, the other things that are coming down the pipeline with, uh, you know, CBDCs and social credit and fiat yeah. currency and all this stuff. Right. So it was kind of, that was the only silver lining for us was like, yeah, it was wrecking our business from a cash flow perspective, but it was building a lot of, um, awareness from like, uh, what's going on in the world perspective. Right. So yeah, that was, we were fortunate for that. Oh yeah. And yeah. like, for sure, I'm going to, I'm going to guess that almost all of my listeners are going to be like, this is interesting. I haven't thought of this. Now I need to learn about it. Yeah. Like you said, you brought up the social credit score. Our dollars basically plummeted because they printed every other day. Yeah. Right. So no, yeah. it's, it's. Yeah. Well, Canadians, what they want is a, um, they want a new way to exchange value separate from the fiat system. Right. So we have to, we have to um, deliver that. I mean, uh, we've been doing this business for like over a quarter century um, and getting punched in the face for literally 25 years uh, and struggling. I mean, there was probably at least five to seven times in the last 25 years where I actually thought about just quitting and leaving the barter business. Really? I thought, you know what? I could go open a construction company or, you know, uh, whatever, be a real estate agent, right? I could do something that was easier to do and make more money with less headaches than trying to build this barter, barter exchange. Right. But for whatever time, whatever reason, every time I, you know, felt like I was going to quit or leave this, something in me just brought me right back into it. Like I literally, almost like pulled back into it. And so I just like, I'm not one to give up or quit on things. So yeah, I just kept on, uh, you know, busting through the obstacles and, and here we are today. Do you think the lockdowns and the, uh, the creation of barter it 
like pushed you f- away from quitting you're like oh no we actually have to do more now like fuck quitting let's let's <coughs> let's create something else like let's figure this out like you said uh, off mic like create solutions yeah uh, i've been a big problem solution guy if people go to my instagram or our instagram um at barter underscore it they can sort of see all these stories especially in our highlights uh of problems and solutions. So like we've obviously faced a lot of adversity. Um, we talked about it already here, but, uh, overcoming that. So I've just been kind of like just, um, preparing myself, I guess, or being prepared to like deal with adversity and especially the last, last number of years, um, few years here. So essentially, um, yeah, you face a problem, you you come across a problem. Like I'm pretty quick on on making a solution or trying to create a solution. It doesn't work every time, but you know, that's, that's entrepreneurship, right? Yeah. That's life. And so, um, when 2020 hit and barter pay started to go up and down like a yo-yo with all the lockdowns and, and this and that and the other thing, um, our boys got laid off from their jobs, right? And uh, the first problem that we really faced besides the barter pay issues was our kids can't work uh, because they worked at restaurants and they were trying to save for their school and their education. And we're like, okay, they're, they're now at home in our basement as young, you know, teenage or you know, late teens, you know, early twenties, wondering what they're going to do. And so I thought, wow, um, we're not going to wait too long before we actually jump into action here. And I thought, why don't we start a business? And so I said to the boys, look, this isn't going away anytime soon. Why don't you go and apply for a couple of rounds of that CERB check thing that was available. And um, here's the deal. You're eligible for $4,000 each. You can keep $2,000 each to pay off your bills, but you have to take $2,000 of each, the other 2000, the other half and put it into a bank account and, and create a business, get out there, do something, there's no chance of failure. You're either going to win or you're going to learn. Like you just, but I'm, you can't be in our house playing video games. That, the Porter family doesn't do that, right? We get out there, we hustle, we, we, we solve problems. Heck yeah. And so they, um, they settled on a window cleaning company. Uh, Aiden had previously, the previous summer, had worked for a short period of time for another window cleaning company. So he learned just enough to know what to do. And so, yeah, they took four grand in cash. They went and uh, bought all their specialty equipment, uh, you know, over, I think it was from the U.S., like all the squeegees and different things that they needed there, a trailer. And um, we actually gave them a barter pay loan, like in barter credits, uh, to go and get all the other things that they needed for their startup, right? Because they needed like, you know, a website, uh, drone photography, flyer distribution, flyer printing, t-shirts, a bookkeeper, all those things that are like all those marketing type, business type related costs. It It adds up. It adds up. Yeah. And uh, they didn't have any cash. So we're like, okay, well, let's, we, we've done barter loans before for businesses. Why don't we give the Porter Bros, this is what they're called, Porter Bros window cleaning. Why don't we give the Porter Bros a, a $10,000 in barter credits to borrow to go get all those things from the barter system? Again, they're conserving cash, right? So we did that, got them all started. Then we did a, uh, we, we, we featured them on our barter blast in the Niagara region. So we sent that out to like 450 businesses. Hey, Porter Bros, new client, new member of Barter Pay. We'll come clean your windows inside and out, gutter cleaning, whatever. In the first month, they got $10,000 worth of business from the barter economy and paid off that loan just by providing their labor. It's amazing. Right? Yeah, that's, that's the power of bartering. It's instant market share, right? Because you've got those, you know, those eyeballs on you now who don't have to, like if someone wants to wash their windows and it would cost 800 bucks in money, they might not spend that. But if they can just do it with their barter credits that they have, yeah, let's, let's clean our windows. Let's, you know, let's, let's do something here. The great thing about it was though, they ended up on all these streets and the neighbors started coming out being like, yep. the Porter Bros are there. They're doing a great job. It's like, well, if, if John Smith hires them to do his house, he owns, you know, he owns that restaurant. Like, obviously he's, he knows what he's doing. Um, why don't we, why don't we give the Porter Bros a try? And so like, they just started getting like lots of business. 
Uh, so long story short, from from they launched on April the first, twenty twenty. By December the fifteenth that year, they had done over a hundred thousand dollars in business in cash, like in money, uh, plus that ten thousand dollars in barter at the beginning, right? So it literally just launched their business. It was an incredible feeling to number one leverage the barter economy to launch a business, which was kind of like a case study for us. Number two, just seeing the boys like flourish and you know latch onto this solution and really do well at it, because as much as we helped them launch within 30 days, like they had to perform or else it wasn't going to go anywhere anyway. Right. Yeah. If it's and not they, in them at that, like if it's not in their blood to work hard, they'll quit. Right. Like, yeah, it can't be fake after 30 days. No, no. They not, had to win the chance. business. They had to do a good job. They had to get the referrals. They had to hustle and then keep on selling and keep on selling. We coached them all the way along. I didn't realize they were going to grow that fast. So like I, here I am kind of being their business coach for most of 2020. It brought our family really close because we had this sort of family project. Now I remember being July, 2020 and sitting in bed, like six thirty, six forty-five in the morning. I hear the garage door going up. I'm like, what's going on? I go out to the front. I look, I'm upstairs. I look out the window and there's all four of our boys in their full Porter Bros uniforms, loading the gear, loading the truck, loading the ladders, hopping in the crew cab. Because by that point they had, they had uh, went and leased an F-150 and wrapped it with the Porter Bros logo. And boom, they're off out the driveway. Like it was literally like. That is so cool. Yeah, it was amazing. And we were giving them a normal life when everything else was shutting down the mask and the crap like that, like we were giving them as much of a normal life as we possibly could. So that, that was the sort of the first big problem that we faced in 2020. Again, besides the barter pay, you know, um, nonsense that was happening there with the lockdowns, it was like, okay, our kids can't work. Let's create a solution. And, it, and it, that's what happened. Yeah. Yeah. And, and like, obviously you're like most prized possessions. If you're talking about your kids, you could have had serve babies who refuse work now. Like you, like all my buddies in the trades mm-hmm. can't find people to fucking work. Yeah. And then now they're like thriving how old were they when they started the business the first year? Yeah. So Aiden would have been, uh, in 2020, he would have been 21. Jackson was like 18 and a half, 19. Tommy was like only 16. And actually Tommy got fired by Aiden because he had a bad attitude. Uh, I remember getting, <laughs> so fucking funny. I remember getting a call. I was at the office and Aiden texts me or calls me and he's like, dad, get over here right now. I had to send Tommy to the back of the pickup truck. Like he's sitting in the crew cab crying and swearing and mad and angry and i fired him because he's had a bad attitude so i they were like 15 minutes away so i i get in my car fly over there had to talk tommy through it and uh yeah he he was 16 like he you know he's just yeah. learning whatever oh and, yeah uh didn't want to be bossed around by his older brothers obviously but um yeah he, he got rehired within the hour <laughs> and he was back up a ladder and <laughs> that is fucking awesome yeah so it's like it was such a good a good experience all the way around uh for micah like our little guy it really helped him with his mental health right because he was you know nobody was doing well for that for that uh oh, first year or two there and terrible. it's been it's been tough really. so having him out there again all four of them they're bonding they're fighting but they're bonding they're learning yeah. they're winning right so it's it was great yeah oh that's amazing yeah other super badass cool story that came from covid lockdowns the Freedom Falcons, mm-hmm. the hockey story. So yeah, the hockey story. That's that's uh, near and dear to my heart. So this is this is where you, I'm at your your one um, hoodie that you have. The line in the sand. That was that was my line in the sand, right? So in, in September 2021, uh, my youngest son Micah, who you know loved to play hockey, could no longer play hockey because of the of the mandates, the the vaccine mandates, and so. Again, problem, solution, right? So uh, what we did was we, we, we gathered up, uh, you know, about 20, 30 families who were all like-minded and who all had kids at the same association. And uh, I just had a meeting with them and said, I'm forming a hockey league. Uh, we're going to do this. Um, 
I don't have the time to do it. I don't necessarily have the energy to do it because I'm literally now in year two of trying to make sure I don't go out of business, right? With, yeah. all, the, with all the shit that was going down. And so, um, but I said, I can't not do it. Like I have to do something. And so, yeah, we formed the Freedom Falcons um, within 10 days of, of those mandates. I remember about mid-September, bam, we had about 150 kids, 10 teams uh, from novice to midget playing hockey, all the uniforms. Like we gave those kids, you know, four months of actual, what felt like real hockey. It is so yeah. like I've I've heard yeah. this before, obviously, but I have goosebumps. Like I yeah. like because we missed hockey. Yeah, like my kids missed their first years of hockey. Yeah, and I like I I resent so many. I I, I have a lot of resentment. Oh yeah, right. Yeah. And I'm so happy that you were able to do that. I wish we lived in Niagara at the time. Well, that's the thing, right? The only thing that really made it possible was because the the um, the government of Ontario actually stated like their rules were like as long as the kids were under 18. Um, and uh, that they could play unvaccinated if they were under 18 for the, for the organized sports. And, in the, and they also said that any coaches or volunteers to operate those activities or games yes. yep. could also go indoors and, and, and be unvaccinated. It was really the OMHA that, that messed everything up. They were the ones that put the extra restrictions on top. And then some associations and municipalities actually went with the OMHA restrictions. Out of fear. Out of fear. They would have jumped on board because this yes. is what people do now. So we were really fortunate that the, the whole Niagara region actually went with the Ontario restrictions and guidelines instead of the OMHA guidelines. So that allowed us to operate the league uh, for these kids inside some of the arenas uh, in Niagara. Now, that being said, we had actual hockey associations, you know, booking all the ice time because once they heard about us, like... One, one guy in particular sent an email out to uh, the entire, all the families, like 300 families in that association saying that John Porter started his own hockey league and he's gone rogue and he's stealing all of our kids. Not too fucking bad. I'm like, well, that, but that was a lie. I, yeah. I didn't want to start a hockey league. I had no, I didn't, I didn't dream this up. Like I'm going to all of a sudden go run a hockey league. That no was four, I had no choice. Yeah. So the, anyways, those same, a few associations started to play games. They would, they would book out ice times, you know, and then not use them. I would show up like on like Saturday at their rink from six, the hour, four o'clock hour, five o'clock hour, six o'clock hour. They booked it, didn't even show up. And those were key hours that I could have had my kids playing. Right. So anyways, we had to go through all of that nonsense and, and them, you know, being um, just jealous of the fact that we actually pulled it together so quickly and, and had these kids playing hockey, which just goes to show the sadistic, uh, sadistic, you know, mentality of some of these parents and people that were just blind to what was going on. They were, they would really, they would rather have kids sitting at home, you know, suffering from mental health yep. than actually in the arena, just playing hockey in a different format, you know, yeah. and just waiting four or five months and let it all pass or yeah. kind of thing. It was just, it was nuts. So yeah. if we can't play, you can't play. Yeah. Yeah. We're going to rent, we're going to actually spend money yeah. and take the rink away from the kids who want to play and just leave it empty. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that, that's what happened numerous times. Yeah. And then we just had, we had like people calling the bylaw officers on us that without, we, you know, all that sort of thing. So it was just like, I'm laughing only because yeah. I can picture like, so did you guys have like walkie talkies and shit and like, like fucking Mike to, or whatever, like talk to chat to like someone like on guard at the door, like, all right, they're here. Well, yeah. yeah. I mean, we were, we were playing hockey. We would, we would get in all of our volunteers. We had all the parents on rotation. Like, you know, we had like four coaches on each bench. We had the three people in the score clock. We had the stat- statistician, the videographer. We created as many volunteer positions as we possibly could within reason to get as many parents. And some of the parents were actually vaccinated because, you know, they had to or work or they were coerced or whatever, which was yeah. fine. Um, and so, yeah, like that was happening, but we would actually, you know, let the grandparents in the back doors after the fact. Like we did what we ever had to do to give these kids and these families and these grandparents the most normal hockey experience we possibly could, considering all the restrictions and the, and the nonsense that was going on and the tattletaling and the 
lies and deception and all of that, right? So, but I did have, like, I, 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 I spent four months literally running this hockey league, like full time. So I would like go and make friends with like the arena, um, you know, the, the Zamboni, Zamboni drivers, yeah. the people who ran the, all of it, right? All the maintenance people. And uh, a few of them were like-minded and they would tip me off when the bylaw officers were going to show up. So they would send me messages saying, hey, like, just so you know, they're, they're coming by tonight. I heard through the grapevine. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, like the fire department was mentioning it or the whatever. These are all small town stuff, right? So if word gets around. So I just made alliances with the right people so that I could protect these kids and make sure that, you know, those nights we made sure we were all wearing masks for every time we had to, for that to pass. Boom. Then we could just keep playing, right? Yeah. 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 Like that's... Have you found that uh, making or going against the grain, like they reached your line in the sand where you're like, fuck you. I don't care if doing the right thing is going to hurt for a few minutes yeah. or a few months or a few years. Have you yeah. found that like just in your community, bar community, your family, even your kids, friends, do you find that like people have come around and been like, they respect you more for it or, you, like, or your credibility's higher? Oh, like, well, I mean, the, the group of families that were the Freedom Falcons families, are, they still thank me to this day. Like they, they and with tears in their eyes, they'll send me messages or, or call me or whatever and say, hey, just so you know, like that saved our family for that four months. Or like my kids, you know, didn't have to cry themselves to sleep. They literally got to be on the ice with their friends and, and have that hockey experience. And one of the kids uh, came to my house like a month ago and uh, we gave him like one of the jerseys, the Freedom Falcons jerseys. And he dropped off a little card and a gift. And inside the card, it said, uh, thanks for giving me my hockey back. This makes me cry, man. Thanks for giving my hockey back. Freedom Falcons for life, right? And so, yeah, it was literally life-changing. It was great for for us, uh, for me personally. Like, it was the hardest four months of my life, but, like, the most rewarding four months of my life. Yeah. No, buddy. Yeah. I did a post. I think it was, like, after I quit, but I specifically remember saying, like, if hockey was taken away from me, mm -hmm. I would have been in jail. Because, yeah. like, I'm one of those kids now where I think people are starting to realize that, like, the school system, well, it's fucked in a lot of ways, but the school system doesn't really cater or think <coughs> enough about the boys who are just like like i can't sit in a fucking classroom i yeah. can't learn about shit that i have no interest in i yeah. don't care like even as an adult i wouldn't want to do it i didn't like recall as a cop i didn't like the 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 training where i just sat and learned about shit i didn't care about i'm yeah. just one of those guys yeah but sports was an outlet where like if that was taken from me my life if I grew up in a, and there's going to be kids that are probably fucked forever and it's so sad. Yeah. And what you did for all these boys is fucking incredible because yeah. like for myself, I know yeah. my life would not be the way it is today yeah. if hockey was taken away from me That's for right. any amount of time. Yeah. Like that was my grounding. Like if I yeah. fucked around, yeah. Mike, you're missing hockey tonight. Cause right. I, I was like, that was like the only punishment you could really give me. Right. Yeah. I fucking hated school. Yeah. What are you going to take from Mike if he's being a fucking dick? Yeah. Hockey. Hockey. Right. Yeah. But if I didn't have hockey, like what was taken away from so many kids, like my kids missed their first year of hockey. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it makes me angry. Like when people see us at the rink and they're like, hey, where were you last year? This is now last year. So last year we're now at the rink and they're like, yeah. hey, where were you last year? I'm like, oh, I wasn't on the arena. Yeah. And they're like, oh, they pretend like they yeah. take a phone call, right? It's like, yeah, motherfucker, exactly. well, it's, oh, it's awkward for you? Yeah. Motherfucker, my, I wasn't allowed in the fucking rink. Yeah. So my kids couldn't come because neither Jen or I could come with could them. Come with them. Yeah. Right? Yeah. So. No, yeah. but to be in hockey for like three, four, five, seven years and then have to have it taken away. Because then they were yeah. all integrated. The kids were like, you know, that was their yep. life. It was like you. Like yep. they wanted to play. No, right? my one of my buddies from work is his daughter's heavily into hockey. And he's like, rapper, like, what am I going to do if, if I have to give it to her to play hockey? He's like, I might do it. I'm like, that is so fucked. Yeah. Right? Yeah. You should but, not have to make like, that decision. 
it's completely outrageous. Yeah. No, but that story's so fucking cool, man. I should have <laughs> one of the jerseys fucking up here right now. Fucked. Yeah, we'll get a picture with you. Yeah. Uh, should I give you one? I don't think I got okay. one. Wait, well, I, I need. I need two. Yeah, I'll get. I'll get. Yeah. I'll send them to you. We need them. We'll, we'll do yeah, it. We'll do a. We'll do a no. photo and we'll add it to the to the podcast yeah. video or whatever. Um, but, so yeah, that was pro- problem one. Kids couldn't work. Porter Bros. Problem two. Son couldn't play hockey. Freedom Falcons. And then right after that, like when I mean, that was the that was the dark night of the soul. Like heading at the end of 2021, because then all of a sudden it came out. Oh, we're gonna go from like the QR codes and the paper and the exemptions and all the different things that were in place. It's gonna be electronic now. Yep. Right. So it's like now all the people who might have been using alt- alternate means to get into places, restaurants, movie theaters, whatever it was, um, couldn't do that necessarily anymore or as easily because they didn't have the electronic QR code system. Yep. And so that was like, oh crap, like it's going to, this is going to suck. Like, you know, January, February, what's going to happen? Are we locked in our country? Are we never going to be able to eat at a restaurant again? Can't play hockey. I played hockey. That was my outlet for that whole time. Yep. And here I am facing it like, man, I can't go into the rink. Uh, and play like I, you know I had the fake pass right yeah, yeah. and so um, anyway uh, freedom convoy that that pops up right because all of a sudden the truckers couldn't cross the border and then we all know what happened there so Debbie and I got really behind that movement and we actually went to Ottawa twice three days the first time and then went home for four four days and then back for the last three days where you know the first three days we went it was like it was like a combination of a of a of a, of a church worship service and Woodstock. Amen. I mean, every, every, uh, you know, every type of person there, every ethnicity, every religion, every faith, every age group, literally like one big family, uh, taking care it. of each other, you know, hundreds and thousands and thousands of people just packed. And then the second time we went, it was much more eerie, right? Because it was like leading into the, the emergency the order yeah. that the weekend, that yeah. weekend with the horses and the, the snipers on the roof and, and, you know, it felt like a war zone at that point. So, yeah. but going there, like was again, one of the highlights of, uh, of my life actually was being at the convoy and being in Ottawa and spending the six days, actually seeing the truth yes. in real life and then watching the media lie about it was like, so eye opening, right? I actually went there partly as a, as a, um, advocate for small businesses, because like I mentioned, small businesses are the lifeblood of the entire economy. That's yeah. what drives the entire, you know, economic system in every country, especially Canada. And I was like, geez, if they're telling these businesses they can't open and lock down and all this crap, like I'm going to go there and interview a few businesses, some businesses and see the ones that stay open who were told to close. I want to know what they think. So I actually got a bunch of interviews um, where I would go into these businesses and say, Hey, like what's your thoughts on what's going on here? Like, Oh, like they told us to lock down. They told us to be scared. They told us to not walk on the streets. It was going to be dangerous. And we decided to stay open just to see. And they said they've never had more love, support, customers, cash flow. It was like a dream. Like some of them actually paid off their entire previous 18 months of debt wow. that was building off of like three weeks of, of the Freedom uh, Convoy people coming in and, and patronizing those businesses with no issues whatsoever. Not, you know, so this one girl was like, I'm so glad I didn't listen to the media and my university who was telling me like false lies and all this stuff. I just, I wanted to see it with my own eyes. And what, and, and the fact that I saw it, I knew that they were lying. She said, yep. right. So it's like, yeah. Yeah. And that's yeah. probably the, actually the biggest thing. If people are questioning, like, cause the freedom movement, they'll be like, ah, oh, they're a bunch of fucking extremists, right wing <laughs> insert, whatever fucking line they use. Yeah. Right. Yeah. But if you actually meet us or, like the hundreds of thousands of us, yeah. you'll be like, oh my God, it's like so many women, so many different ethnicities. They're actually fucking cool people. Yeah. They're not anything like what yeah. they're, we're, we are being portrayed no, as. Nothing. Right? 
they're there's professionals to young people to older people i remember being at the at, at the convoy again on the very last day and these older ladies were there and a lot of them were from like you know eastern bloc uh, europe and all these all these things all these countries they had been they had left that to yes. come to canada yeah. right so these uh these older ladies were were standing in front of these huge you know swat team police officer guys with all the shields and you know whatever and um, they were holding up mirrors to their faces and going down the line and say, look at you right now, look at yourself, remember this forever. And like they would go down the entire line with this wow. little mirror and make each police officer look in the mirror, in the fucking mirror. At, at themselves. Yeah. yeah, it was crazy. Anyway, so yeah, to your point, like it was just like, yeah, we're just normal everyday, you know, family people that just want to see um, freedom and not have these, uh, this totalitarianism and uh, eventual communism creep into this country. Yeah, and yeah. I truly believe when we win, um, those that stood up and those that start to stand up and those that find their voice or even at least just start supporting like barter pay, barter it, mm-hmm. non-negotiable, all the all the people that sort of stood up first. I yeah. truly believe that that it's going to be amazing. Oh, yeah. It's going to, like you said, once you see it in person and once you actually like come to these events or see and meet these people, you're going to be like, holy shit. Like, yeah. It's like you said, like when we went to MYM Summit or yeah. all these things and you meet all these people or you, I didn't make it to the convoy. I was almost arrested. But like, <laughs> It's you meet all these people and you're like the the vibe. It's like you will be smiling bigger yeah. and harder, and you'll hug people yeah. harder than you ever did. Yeah, there's I don't I have not met a more authentic person in my life than a fellow freedom fighting yeah. uh, person like who's like minded, who understands what's going on, awake, awake and winning, as Kayla Betts would put it. Um, yeah. yeah, when I meet somebody who's like when I meet somebody who's an entrepreneur and awake. And a family person, and hot, you know some of those things. But when they're if they're an entrepreneur and they're fully awake, like the the depth of that relationship that it can go so fast is yes. like, it's like it's like nothing else, right? So yeah. it's just a cool yeah. group to be a part of, and it's yeah. growing, right? We all know that oh. it's really gaining a lot of momentum, and uh, yeah, yeah. No, if you have any hesitation to 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 join the party, like don't. Yeah, exactly. Like, you know, I think you're an example. Like like we're an example. Like since we've left in like our line mm-hmm. and everything, like it's just everything's fucking awesome. Yeah. I guess there's some hard times still. Like there's some uncertainty. Like I don't get, you know, the same fucking 3,200 bucks in the bank every two weeks as I used to. Yep. But yep. I can tell you I'm way fucking happier. Yep. Exactly. <laughs> like, yeah. And you didn't, you didn't, uh, fucking bend the knee or. Yeah. 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 Well, well I can well, look in the saying, mirror. You, yeah. You can look in the mirror and, yeah. um, you'd rather, what's the saying? You'd rather die on your feet than live on your knees. What's that saying? Fuck. I don't know what it I is. I can't remember. Yeah. yeah. You gotta help us step. <laughs> exactly. So from all this you shit. Didn't, you didn't negotiate. Oh no! Zero. Right? No, there, it was non-negotiable. No, oh yeah. Let's 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 call it that, right? Yeah. Just, there was no negotiating with our beliefs and what no. we believed and what we knew to be the truth. And yeah, love wearing your hats. I love no. I love putting that sweater or the hat on. Like it literally makes me feel like a freedom warrior. That's yeah, so, so good. I, yeah. lo- I love that. I did a podcast a couple of days ago, and I and I said I hope and our goal is for people to when they wear it, so just to feel stronger feel bigger feel part of something yeah and know like we talked earlier when you came over that like like the nikes and the under armors they're they're sellouts yeah right yeah. we're never ever going to sell out no. and i truly believe that i that people trust that yeah that oh, yeah that the logo is always going to stand for something yeah like never ever are we going to bend to the bullshit no because basically every horseshit narrative <laughs> we speak out against it exactly exactly kudos to you um so what happened after that we came back from the convoy Oh yeah, frozen bank accounts. Right? Did you have your fucking bank frozen? No account. No, I didn't. Um, but people did. 
which is just nut jobs. Well, you better fucking start bartering then. Exactly. It's so, a fucking commercial for bartering. Like I talked about before, the search term for bartering through 2020, 2021, you know, was there. Because people were like, oh, we're going to have to barter. We're going to have to go back to the barter system. This, at that point in time, I was kind of, I wasn't fully aware of what was going on until, you know, the hockey in 2021, September. So coming back from the convoy, the search term for barter just like 25X, 50X, probably 100X. And so I'd start to get DMs on my Instagram or even an email. You know, if people search barter in Canada, they would, like, we own that term for barter pay. So, like, yeah. I was coming up, there's lots of, you know, news media about what we did, what we built, and myself personally, and just all these articles, and just SEO worked in our favor for that uh, on the Google searches. And so people would just get a hold of me and say, hey, you know, we were searching about barter. This came up, this bartering economy that you've built, you know, can you, we don't own a business. Can you do something? Can you build like a barter system for people, just everyday people? And at first I was like, ah, that's going to be hard. Like it's going to be, I don't know if I can start another whole business from scratch. Like I just was trying to make it through barter pay. We just launched Porter Bros. I just came off Freedom Falcons, which is like launching another business. Yeah. And I was like, I just, I, I almost ran out of energy. And, but then it's like just message after message after message. So I said to Debbie, okay, we got to do something here. Cause if like, if not us, then who, and if not now, then when, like, this is the time for us to take this literally like with our whole team over 200 years of combined experience, building a barter system for such a time as this. Now, this is the moment that we have to actually deliver this solution to the people. And so we thought, okay, well this got to, we, we don't want this to be hard. We, we don't, we're not afraid of hard, um, obviously, but we don't want it to have to, we want it to feel and flow like it's meant to be. Right. Yeah. And so we decided to, uh, we, we decided on the name, Debbie built the whole brand. She designed the logo. We built a landing page. Um, and she did all that work, put a little form up that said, notify us when you launch. So we thought we'll start there. Let's see if anybody actually really wants this. And, uh, in the meantime, I started to literally do some research on Instagram of who in Instagram has some influence. And I started seeing people like Sunit on the West coast and Sarah Swain and Andre Lapierre, uh, Bush to boardroom and, um, you know, different people. Right. And I was like, wow, these guys got like 10, 20, 40,000, 50,000 followers. And they got lots of action. I need them to announce to the world that this barter, it might come along. So I finally got on the phone with, uh, with Sarah Swain and Sunit and did a bit of a, a talk with them. And then they're like, yeah, we love this. And, yep. and John, you're not creepy. So yeah, <laughs> uh, let's make this happen. Like, so they, they literally just shared on their stories and, uh, you know, what we were up to. And like, I remember being on vacation, it was the last week of August in 2022, us and all four of our boys were at the, uh, Debbie and I and our other boys were at the Deerhurst resort. I went to bed. I went to bed at like 10 o'clock at night, woke up the next morning, looked at our landing page stats and 700 people had signed up to be notified when we launched overnight. And it was overnight because Sarah was two hours behind and Sunit was three hours behind uh, uh, in BC. Yeah. And so I woke up, I'm like, Debbie, check this out. Like, so that was kind of the start of like what, what has now become, you know, almost 7,000 people um, on the wait list now to be notified when we launched the barter it system. So essentially barter it is just like barter pay without the coach aspect, but it's really going to be a system that will allow anybody in the entire country, you know, person, business owner, doesn't matter to exchange value without having to use the fiat, the fiat currency system. Right. So it's going to be a, an organized bartering system for the people. Awesome. Yeah. One, of, one of the, there's a few people message the same question essentially is bartering apparently is a tax evasion type of system. Yeah. What's the answer to that? Yeah, no, it's not like, and really when barter it launches, pretty much a hundred percent of the transactions that'll happen on that system are going to be non-taxable events anyway. Like if you were to, 
you know, downsize your home or want to have some furniture for sale or a barbecue or whatever fitness equipment you're getting rid of, all those transactions that you would do on Kijiji or Facebook Marketplace, like those are non-taxable events. You don't have to claim that as revenue, right? Yeah, huge and, point. And that'll be really the start of Barter It is just getting hundreds of thousands of people all bartering and trading those types of goods and services um, with each other, right? Yeah, exactly. Because if I want, if someone wants 100 hoodies and I want them to put in a new driveway for me, mm-hmm. there's no money being exchanged. No. No, it's not any money yeah, exchange. We've already right? fucking paid taxes on buying it anyways. Yeah. Like I I'm sick of paying taxes on taxes on taxes on taxes. Yeah. Like I, we, we pay tax on everything. Oh, I know. Right? It's, like it's... I buy I buy an Apple, which is now ten dollars because of inflation and printing of money. And I pay money with or I spend money that's already been taxed. Yep. To, and I get taxed again. Yep. To buy a ten dollar Apple. Yeah. Or every time a vehicle changes hands, that's crazy. Eh? Like yeah. every time more tax. Yeah. Like yeah. like kids might may as well start, you know, shoveling my driveway. You get a hoodie. Yeah. Right? Awesome. Yeah. Perfect. Exactly. So yeah, that's the barter it system. Um, I'm not a doom and gloom guy, but I think it's about, I think it's prudent to be prepared for what might come, right? So like if, if there was a problem with fiat currency, if, if they did say you cannot buy or sell without this medicine in your arm, or you can't say that what you're saying, you can't worship in that way, or you can't believe in God without, you know, or else you can't buy or sell. Yep. Well, geez. That's non-negotiable. Yeah. One, right? of, one of my clients was just denied a, uh, a mortgage because of a Google search from a lender. Right. Exactly. Right. So we need to be prepared so that if and when the time comes where we, 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 we're facing that sort of um, level of, uh, of being locked out of certain things, from a financial perspective, we need a new way to do you know, exchange value outside the system. And so that's, that's what Barterate is going to do. It's going to give people that, that way to, to you know, exit the matrix from a financial standpoint. When uh, do you anticipate Barter It launching? So Barter It is going to launch, uh, I'm hoping by the, by the end of March, 2024. So like in about five months from now, um, it might be more into like, you know, May or June. We just got to make sure we launch well and that there's, you know, we, we know there's going to be bugs in the system. So we yeah. got to make sure like we, we have about, um, we're going to have about 800 VIPs that we're launching to first. We've actually already pre-purchased their, yeah, Mike's one. Yeah, baby. Uh, he's already pre-purchased <laughs> his sort of subs- you know lifetime subscription, and you're getting all the perks with a thousand free bits to your account when we launch and that sort of thing. But uh, we're going to launch to that group first, run it for sixty to ninety days, let them kind of help us tweak it and make sure that it's all dialed in. But I'm really hoping to launch Canada wide, like you know, let's just say by June the first. That's awesome. Uh, yeah, and really get it pumping on all cylinders. Yeah, if there's any hesitation, honestly, guys, like I fully trust you and Deb. So if, if that's all you need to hear, honestly, it just makes so much fucking sense, especially in today's world where yeah. everything is so uncertain. Exactly. Yeah. Right. And it's not going to be like all of a sudden like this magic wand and just like we snap our fingers and everybody's all of a sudden like doing business in the barter it system. It's going to be a bit of a slow migration at first, but if we don't all start something now and practice something now, we're going to be sitting ducks if, and when things go sideways in two, three, four five years. Right. Yeah. So we need to all band together and we can build it. We got the experience to build it. We got, we built the trust. We know what to do. We can, we've got the, you know, in fact, we're at the stage now where all the designs are done. Depending on when this airs, it's either like getting close to launch or, or we're, we're, you know, we're fully into the development stage. Um, but yeah, we, we can do all that. We can't force adoption. And that's why I said to Debbie, like going back to being able to kind of free flow our way through this. If it wasn't for the fact that there's probably a million to 2 million freedom loving households in the country already that you know of, that I know of, <laughs> we wouldn't really be doing this because they're, you know, you know, you can lead a horse to water, but you can't make them drink. Well, we're going to build the tool, the water, but the horses are going to come and drink because they want it, right? This isn't just like a nice to have, oh, that'd be nice. No, like people want it. That's, that's why we got so much support. Yeah. I think people are desperate to 
believe in something, but trust something. Yeah. Which is why I truly believe the freedom community and those that, like I said, spoke up when it was way less cool. Yeah. Have the trust. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. I've had some trolls, you know, they'll send me messages saying, oh, you know, you're just trying to capitalize on people's fear. You're just launching this to like, you know, make money in the short term and just get rich or whatever. I'm like, dude, just do me a favor. Google John Porter barter and look at what pops up. You'll see articles from 1997 that, uh, you know, this is like a 27 year journey again. Yeah. Like it's like a, it's like a culmination of a lifetime of work with multiple people facing so much adversity and we kept going, kept going, kept going for such a time as this. So once they do that, they're like, oh yeah, sorry, man. I thought you were just starting this business, you know, to capitalize and that sort of thing. Right. So, but you know what? It, it's on, even if I was, it's entrepreneurs that create the solutions yeah. that, that takes those people that it's actually balls. think outside the box, that risk everything. Like Debbie and I sold our house for the fourth time last year in, uh, it closed in September of 2022. We sold our house to have extra cash to fund the entire barter it build out if we had to. Just so happens in the meantime, we've had a lot of people step up to the plate and invest in the company to actually cover the cost of the development and everything. But we were fully prepared again to uh, to put in like, you know, five, six, seven hundred thousand dollars of our own money to build the solution. Yeah. And that's what entrepreneurs do. Like actually the definition of entrepreneur, people look people like the first half, but they don't like the second half. So if you look up the definition of, a, of an entrepreneur, it is someone who owns or manages a business or businesses and takes on more than, greater than financial, takes on greater than normal financial risk in order to do so. Yes. Right? That's an entrepreneur. People who take risks and, and, and create, pro, create, create solutions to problems. So that's what it's going to take, a whole bunch of entrepreneurs. I actually say like there's like, you know, there's five major um Let's, let's just call it like a big massive highway being built across the country, the Freedom Highway, right? There's five major lanes that are being built. One, one of the lanes is uh, what we call like the, you know, the food, new foods, parallel food system lane, right? Then you got the parallel health system lane. Then you got the parallel media lane, like yourself, yep. building brands, create awareness, more, you know, getting the word out. Then you got um, parallel education lane, and then yep. you got a parallel economic lane, right? Yep. So it's gonna take entrepreneurs in each one of those lanes this kind of ties into the whole civil engineering background yeah. of building this massive highway, bridging the entire country with one common system of these parallel lanes. And uh, that's what we're building, right? We just happen to be in the economic lane versus the other one of the other major four lanes, right? Yeah. Oh, that's fucking awesome. Yeah. All right, buddy, this has been awesome. Uh, for all the folks online or whatever search engines you guys are using, <laughs> how do they find you? Yeah, so uh, Barter Pay, um, it's just barterpay.ca. Um, our website, all the information is there. If you're interested, if you own a conventional business right now in Canada, you can like get, get started. You can book a quick uh, discovery call and a couple of clicks free. We'll get on there, determine if there's a fit. If there is, we'll onboard you right away and get you started. If not, no big deal. At least we know a little bit more about each other's business, right? That's Barter Pay. For, uh, for Barter It, you want to follow our Instagram. You can check out barterit.ca, but uh, definitely follow our Instagram, barter underscore it, uh, at barter underscore it. Um, all of our stories that I've talked about are there. Um, all of the history, even on our website, barterit.ca, a lot of the stories are there. Again, just to bring people up to speed about what's going on and just our history. Um, they can follow along the journey, see the build out. We've got different things in our highlights, you know, showcasing the the development stage and sorry, the, the design stage of the of the web app, the development stage, and you know, as we roll things out and the story builds. Um, yeah, so that's really just uh, those two things: barter barterpay.ca, barterit.ca. Yeah, that's awesome. I'll yeah. put it all in the show notes. All the links will be there. Okay, yeah, good. And yeah, I, I 
we, Jen and I, fully support you and Deb. We fully support everything. We fully trust it. Like the last three years started off really angry, really, mm-hmm. really stressful, wanted to choke a lot of people. But I'm actually now it's to the point where I'm actually super happy. Yeah. And I'm super blessed that we've had all these connections. We met these people that never we never would have no. met. Yeah. None of this would have happened if yeah. they weren't such fucking tyrants. Yeah. But I'm actually like, like I'm in a way, I'm happy. Yeah. I'm thankful it happened in a really weird, demented way. Totally true. It's 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 a hundred percent what you just said. And and uh, back to Kaler again, I guess Kaler Kaler bets awake and winning. Right. It's it's fine to be awake, um, but you really want to be winning at this point, right? Yes. Uh, and that's why you know focusing on problems for a little while and then creating solutions is so important. These lanes of the highway, because we can't lament on this forever. We can't live in the past forever. We have to like move to these solutions as quickly as possible. And that's just uh, what I've signed up for, and what you've signed up for, and what. Anybody who's winning, awake and winning, is signing up for it, right? Yep. And it's just about, uh, yeah, inviting people along for that ride and helping as many people as possible, not forgetting the past, but really striving towards the future to sort of win that prize that we're all we're all after, right? Which is uh, ultimately our freedom. Yeah, man. Yeah. Thriving. Yeah. Yeah, man. Dream exactly. bigger. Exactly. And Sarah right. Swain reminded me, believe it. Exactly. All right. Yeah. Yeah, 100%. All right, guys. Thanks for listening. Yeah, thank you so much. Thanks so much. It's the craziest ruin so many friendships. Okay, I'm going to come back later. Why would I care about my haters? All I care about is my friends, my family, and my Lord and Savior. I'm back now on a track now.